Good morning and well, happy Saturday. We are back in the saddle again, and we had some technical issues uh, through the week last week. We weren't able to do a Friday show. As it turns out, Skype has um, there's a new update, and it looks like it's got some major issues. So uh, fortunately, we were able to, to to piece together a podcast for this morning, get you guys your fantasy football fix. That will come in the second part of, of today's show. We're only going to do uh, probably about an hour, hour and a half. We originally had planned a bigger show, but with the Skype issues, we just weren't able to do it. My first guest this morning is the first-time uh, guest on the show. I'm very happy to have him. We're going to talk some college football. We're going to talk about the big win that Army had over Temple. Army's so much fun to watch. I can't wait to talk to him. His name is Dan Head. I'll let him introduce himself to you. We're going to bring him in uh, right now. And uh, and go ahead and get started. Uh, but before we do that, big news in the NFL, in the NFL with the the Sam Bradford trade, the Vikings uh, losing Teddy Bridgewater. Big fan uh, of Teddy Bridgewater. Uh, he went down uh, probably about a week ago with. Okay, in the long term, which is the good news, but out for the season. So they made a, a trade with Philadelphia for Sam Bradford. Boy, Sam Bradford stays winning. Um, so I can't wait to talk to Katie about that. We're going to bring in here, but first, first, before we bring him in, I've got up with with um, some walk-in music. I hope that you enjoy, enjoy Dan. Here you go. <laughs> All right. Did that sound familiar, Dan? It sure did. I, uh, <laughs> well, thanks I, we for were joining that quite me. a bit last night. I bet you yeah. were. I was fortunately I wasn't able to watch it because I worked late, and by the time I got through and, and filed the article that I was needing to get filed on the Titans, it was the game was already mostly over. I watched it. I did watch it on Twitter, watching sports on Twitter is always so much fun. But I know that you've got, yeah. you were there and you've got some 10. Um, uh, let, me, let me let you introduce yourself. It's your first time on the show. I'm very happy to have you. Uh, we, we, we we tried to Skype. Again, Skype's got some issues, so we weren't able to do that. And I woke up with a stomach but Joe must go on, and so we're doing this. And I'm so happy to have you. Tell everybody out there who you are and about yourself. Hi, uh, my name is Dan Head, and uh, I am a 1995 graduate of West Point. I was a recruited swimmer. Uh, I swam all four years, and uh, I'm an engineer now in New York. I write um, a lot of different things, uh, and I started writing about the Army football team uh, in 2013, uh, my wife okay. finally talked me into uh, going <laughs> to some games and taking her and the kids. And I, I just uh, that's a good woman. That's a keeper the right there. Yeah, yeah. She's she was she was really fired up. And I hadn't been back since I graduated. And she finally just, just put her wow. foot down and said, "Hey, this is ridiculous. You know, you, you got to take us." <laughs> so, so yeah. I, this is my second season as a season ticket holder. And uh, like I said, I, I started writing about the team, and for whatever reason, people have started reading what I write, and here we are. 
Oh, that's awesome. Um, so is she a football fan? Uh, I think she's more a fan of the West Point experience, if I'm being honest. Okay. Well, that makes sense. Yeah. Um, yeah. The, uh, we talk about the military on here, and, um, you know, my I've got family members who are, are, are military members and who have served this country, and I've dated a couple of guys who a Marine and um, an officer in the Marine Corps and a, 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 and I suppose he's an officer. I get you. He is an officer in the National Guard. And so I've got okay. some, you know, some fit in it, you know, um, I've read interesting off topic, but I, I want to ask you this interesting article and I want to get your thoughts on it. Just, just briefly. And it was it was saying I, I often do this, and I wonder how you feel about it. it said that it it was a bit of a, um, a sort of a double edged sword when people thanked uh, military people for their service. Does that bother you? It doesn't bother me, but from speaking personally, uh, you know i I spent five years in the army. I uh, went to the Third Infantry mm-hmm. Division. Uh, I went to the Second Infantry Division in Korea. Spent the balance of my time in schools. Um, you know, the most dangerous thing I saw in my time in the service was potential alcohol poisoning uh, along the DMZ right. uh, from <laughs> late nights out partying. And uh, right. you know, yeah, I did my part, and I feel like whatever whatever I wanted to accomplish in the Army, I did. But I got a good deal for my service, and I think yeah. a lot of people, you know, service has a lot to offer. So when people thank me, yes, I, yes. you know, I always feel like I should be thanking you. You know, you put me through college. I had an amazing experience. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, to me, service is its own reward. And uh, yeah. I'm, not, I'm not a fan of making the military a special interest group. You know, guys serve for right. whatever reason. Um, it's an all-volunteer army. You know, I, I get that it's been a tough few years and that some guys have gone through difficult things. But for, you right. know, the average service member... It's a job, you know. They signed up, and if they didn't get what they needed right. to get out of it, that's on them. You know, you sign a contract. Both parties have to uphold their end. Mm-hmm. The end. That's it. So yeah. Yeah, yeah. Not everybody does serve in combat zones, and and I do a, a weekly series with a good friend of mine. His name is Matt Wood. He is a computer guy. Not an, he's. I guess sort of like a computer engineer, and um, right. he was in the service. He was in the Air Force and um, had a similar experience to you. It helped pay for you know his education um, and that, but he never really served in a combat zone. Now there are service members who do, and um, the Marine that I dated, now he served in combat zone. He well, he served. Uh, five tours in Iraq and was injured in in his last tour. Uh, turned out fatally injured in his last tour. And um, um, so sorry to hear that. Oh uh, yeah, it was a, yeah, it was um, it was very difficult for reasons to to deal with that situation. And we won't get into any of that, but you know it's but there are those who don't have that and. Um, you know, for him, he he liked surfing um, in in combat areas, and that was, you know, something that that he enjoyed. But not everybody does that, and 
Um, it's an interesting conversation. I don't want to get off because I want to talk about um, Temple. It sounds like it was such an exciting game, and wow, that was a big win, big upset. Yes. Uh, Army came in as something like a 15-point underdog, and the line actually opened at uh, Army plus 22. So, um, oh, yeah, wow. I, you know, so whatever – yeah, my personal – if I was setting the line, I would have set it at Army plus 12. So I, I think maybe people underestimated the team. But nevertheless, to go from being at least a 12-point underdog to winning by 15 on the road in Philadelphia was probably the best win that Army's had at least since 2010, I'm sure, and, and maybe yeah. since 1997. So, For those that aren't familiar, and um, if you're a college football fan – Surely you are, but Army runs a a little bit of a different system. From they run the is it the triple the triple option is what they run, isn't it? That's correct. So there's there's three aspects, and the quarterback uh, coach Jeff Munkin, the new head coach at Army, he's in his third season. Uh, he has said that he describes his quarterbacks as the point guards of the team. He wants them distributing the ball. I think that's a ball. great description. Yeah. Yeah. So those guys, those guys have to they have to understand what they're seeing at a high rate of speed and make decisions. So <laughs> last night, well, we'll talk about uh, quarterback Ahmad Bradshaw in a minute, but uh, last night was probably his best game. And you know what he did was it, it, he's a very good, very athletic runner. You know he's a converted uh, running back, and he had, what we saw last season was that he was very good running between the tackles. And the guy's mm-hmm. he's just a big, burly, strong guy. And he's got wheels. You know, he's got right. you know, four or five speed. But last night what he did was to distribute the ball. So with the triple option, you, your first option is to hand to the fullback for the fullback dive. Uh, and then your second option is for the quarterback to keep the ball, uh, which is – so they go to a mesh point like you would see with the read option, which is common now, mm-hmm. except the quarterback mm-hmm. would then keep the ball. And then his third option is, as he sprints outside to either run off guard or off tackle, uh, he could also pitch the ball to a running back to the outside. So for the triple option, the bread and butter is the fullback dive. That fixes the defense in place and then gives the quarterback the option to either, you know, take one on what you might think of as a shallow penetration or to pitch outside for an (laughs) envelopment and a long play. And that's what we saw last night. Army got – you know, despite the fact that Temple is an excellent running defense, they ran right at the mm-hmm. teeth of that defense with the fullback dive, you know, getting between four and even seven or ten yards with the fullback dive. And then when they pitched outside, they were getting real yardage. You know, slot mm-hmm. back Jordan Asbury had a big night. But they had six running backs carry the ball. That was that was exceptional. Yeah, it, how big was it for Army to get this big win? Did, aren't they coming off like a two and ten season, something like that? Yeah, we went two and ten last season. Um, you know, I don't want to. I hesitate to say negative things about people who've been involved in the program because, as a veteran of Army sports myself, you know it's not easy. There's no aspect of being yeah. a, an athlete at Army that's that's easy. Um, sometimes it's, just getting out and feeling a team. That's kind of what separates them. A, it's kind of what separates them a little bit from uh, college athletics in general because it's not, you know, we – I don't want to get too much into this, but it's not a football meal. Yeah, right, exactly. Um, you know, when I made my decision to go swim at Army, I realized that I was 
putting my swimming career on the back burner, which doesn't mean that I didn't have a good career. It just means that I was making a decision to do something else afterwards. And I don't know how many big time college programs are going to go in and say to a recruit, you know, football is not the biggest thing here. I mean, mm-hmm. I, you know, is Nick Saban going to say that to one of his football recruits? I, I don't think he is. Well, never, no. So, <laughs> right. You know, I mean, so, so yeah, Army. Okay. So Rick Ellerson was the coach before Jeff Munkin. And I, I think he was a good coach. I think he got good production out of the players that he had, but he didn't recruit very successfully. And we okay. saw that, I guess it was in 2013 with the uh, mm-hmm. Navy just blew Army off the field. I mean, the Army I players that Ellerson that fielded. Oh, yes. Yeah. And the Army players that Ellerson fielded in that, in that game, you know, they they weren't even as big as some of the kids you'd see in a Florida 4A high school game. I mean, they were just, yeah. they were they were small. Even by academy standards, they were small. And so, you know, college football is about a lot of things, but it's really about recruiting. And the one thing that Munkin has done really very well is. is to he's to bring in talent, you know, to get people to mm-hmm. buy into the idea that Army is a is a place to come and to be an athlete. You can be an athlete in Army. You just have to be more. So that's that's where that's where we were. So now in his third season, he's got uh, something like seventy nine sophomores, seventy nine yearlings, as we call them at the academy. Uh, he's got another okay. fifty nine plebes, and he's got you know, maybe a double handful of upperclassmen. And some of those upperclassmen are so excellent. It's a young you know, they're team. very good players. What's that? Right. It's a young I'm sorry, team. I didn't understand what you said. Yes. Right, exactly. So, you know, he's to have seventy nine sophomores and that be the backbone of your team and to beat Temple on the road by fifteen points, that's I don't know how many colleges are doing that. Yeah, that's that's pretty huge. It sounded like Temple was having trouble executing their offense. It, did they, you know, kind of shoot themselves in, so to speak, or is Army's defense just, you know, better than anticipated? The answer is both. Uh, Jihad Thomas ran for something like 1,200 yards last season, and he was out yesterday with a uh, a hand injury, and losing him that didn't help. On the okay. other hand, they've got a senior quarterback and a stable of running backs, you know, some, some good tight ends. It, it, they can make excuses, but I wouldn't. Um, you know, what, why, right. why would you – you know, they, they have a good team. Um, Temple is a running first team, and Army is a team that's built to stop the run. The best players are linebackers. You know, our two senior captains, Andrew King and uh, Jeremy Temp are both inside linebackers. So you've got the two best players on the team right there in the middle to stop the run. So that put a lot of pressure, forced uh, quarterback P.J. Walker to have to throw the ball, I think, a little more than he wanted to. Uh, and he, they had mixed success. You know, They completed a long pass to a tight end. Uh, they had an interception that essentially went through the receiver's hands in the end zone. Uh, but then towards the end of the game, when it got down to crunch time, and they had to. They really had to start throwing the ball. They, you could see that the pressure was was more than they were prepared to handle at that time. They, you know, they, it looked like they came unglued a little mm-hmm. under the pressure. And you can imagine that coming yeah. into a game against a two and ten Army team, they weren't expecting to wind up right. in a dogfight. So, yeah, there you go. It reminds me, in a sense, of, of course, I lived in Tennessee and uh, went to school at the University of Tennessee and. 
the vol played on Thursday night, and they were in a dogfight themselves. And fortunately, yep. you know, they were they were able to pull it out. And it reminds me of that. I don't. I, I've been. I don't want to say critical, but I've certainly questioned some of the things that Butch Jones has done. He's a fantastic recruiter. There's no doubt, but that team did not prepared to play uh, Appy State, and um, you know they were able to pull out that win primarily, really due to Appalachian State's mistakes more than their own play. And um, it uh, it's interesting when you see teams like that. You know, teams are expected to win, come in and struggle so greatly. Yeah. Uh, well, first off, let me say uh, I broke uh, three, well, two generations, something like 50 years of tradition at the volunteer, you know, at University of Tennessee to go to West Point. My grandfather oh, yeah? and both of my parents went to Tennessee, so uh, wow. I've been to more than my share of, of games there in Knoxville. So you're the black sheep of the family. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I really am. And my father was also a Marine, so uh, yeah, no, oh, okay. we we had some wow. pointed conversations, believe it or not. Uh. Yeah, I uh, now, I thought so that. Does he, and, uh, does he pull for Tennessee, and how does he feel about it? He well, first off, my father passed away in 2007. Oh, but, um, I'm so sorry. He, that's okay. You know, he he did what he was doing. Um, but thank you. He he was a big fan of of Army. Uh, he <laughs> was not a big fan of of the Naval Academy. I, I will say that. Um, and he, you know, when he was the G3 of Third Marine Division, he used to tell me that he'd meet West Pointers newly commissioned and how impressed he was with them. So, you know, that's good. Okay. But yeah. Football, he was a diehard volunteer fan. I mean, he had season tickets, uh-huh. he had a box, he, yeah. you know, forget it. He was, he was all in. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's um, football in Tennessee is generational. And, you know, did you, by the way, did you get the season tickets? What happened with the season tickets? Because those are big things. I mean, you can like fights over them. Um, I, you know, I did not. I mean, I live in Connecticut, uh, uh, okay. so I, I guess I could have it's sold really them on the secondary market, but it didn't occur to me to do that. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I, so, I would have given them back. Yeah, yeah. So since you mentioned it, it's a big deal. I want to ask you about Army-Navy and that tradition. It's always um, such a big game, and, you know, it's so important to college football. Can you tell us a little bit about the history and, and and why it has become so important? Well, I don't know that I'm an expert on this specific rivalry, but uh, obviously the, they're both uh, two of the oldest programs in the country. I think Navy mm-hmm. started their team a year early in like 1895. Army started in 1896, and the first Army-Navy game was within a year or two of this. And, uh, you know, they they pretty much played – every year with rare exceptions ever since. Uh, so you get a hundred plus years into a rivalry and, and uh, with, with services and pride on the line and, and yeah, it, it, yeah. it gets pretty serious. Um, I think it's hard for me to be objective about what other people think about the rivalry. You know, every time I mm-hmm. watch the coverage on TV and all these guys, oh, you know, we got a bunch of great Americans here. And, and it's true. They are great Americans. But I, for me, it's, it's a football game. For me, it's a college yeah. football game about, yeah. you know, football players who want to play well for their school, the school that, you know, <laughs> that I'm a part of. There's only right. 52,000 West Point graduates alive. 
there's only ever been 75,000 graduates in, in the history of the, the academy. So it's not a very large community. Um, and, and I think it's both academies are pretty close-knit in, in their graduate networks. And uh, I, that wins a lot, the fact that mm-hmm. everybody cares deeply about the rivalry. Yeah. So. Well, college football is, is, is about – um, tradition and rivalry and pageantry. And it, anytime the NCAA and you know they're a bumbling organization, but anytime they um, you know try to 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 make changes there, it, it just always rankles me a little bit because that is one of the great things, uh, if not the greatest thing about college football is is that. Um, you know the history and and what that history knew to college football fans. I was looking at Army's schedule, and wow, they've got kind of a tough schedule. They they have Rice in, in the next game, Chet um, Buffalo, and then you know Duke. Well, Dukesley, you know Coach David Cutcliffe doing a really fantastic job at Duke. That's going to be a tough game. Uh, Duke is a common opponent for Army. We, we've played them a lot uh, without a lot of success in recent years. Of course, the whole program hasn't had a lot of success, so I don't know what that says. But last year in particular, Bradshaw came in. Uh, he had a turf toe that he was dealing with. He came into the game, and Duke run-blitzed the, the triple option intermesh and just shut it down. Uh, and they, mm-hmm. they, they must have run blitz on 75% of their defensive snaps, and they just crushed Army's triple option with that. Uh, I think that the team is better for a variety of reasons. Uh, you know, for one thing, last night we saw that the quarterbacks operating out of the shotgun quite a bit, which is a thing that Army has not done, uh, hasn't felt like it had the talent to do in recent years. So, you know, little things, this is why having 79 plebes is difficult, but, you know, having 79 yearlings, is is a little easier right is mm-hmm. you can just build institutional knowledge you can get guys to do things that in other college football programs you would take for granted you know even with that we had a block last night and two missed field goals so i, mm-hmm. I think that this is a young team that still has quite a bit to grow uh but yeah that that duke game is tough and uh playing utep on the road in a high altitude game that's also not necessarily going to be easy um you know, we've played Buffalo a few times in the last few years, and those games have come down to the wire more often than not. So, yeah, I, mm-hmm. you know, three road games coming off, uh, you know, Rice, and then this road game, the early part of the schedule is difficult, no doubt about it. Yeah, they after Duke, they have Lafayette, um, Lafayette, uh, North Texas, Wake Forest, Air Force, Notre Dame, Michigan State, and Navy. I mean, that is like yeah. a gauntlet of of tough games. What are you know, Army's a little bit different, but what are the expectations in terms of of their football program and and this season in particular? Well, I you know I don't know what the expectations are inside the program. Um, I, you know, if I'm coach monk and I'm, I'm probably not trying to set the over under and I'm probably trying to tell my team to take it one game at a time for fans. I think the over under is probably 5.5. And based on the fact that we won a game that nobody thought we were going to win, you know, right now you probably would like to see at least a six win season. I I think that that's Mm -hmm. entirely reasonable. Um, you know, after we finish the three road games, uh, UTEP and Buffalo and 
Duke. Then you come back for some winnable games at home, and that's good. Uh, but we haven't beat Air Force in a long time. We definitely haven't beaten Notre Dame in a long time. Uh, so, yeah, there's, mm-hmm. there's definitely there's some challenges. But I think, I think that this is a, a team that can, that can win six games anyway. I, I think that they can do that. If they make a bowl, that's definitely a six-six season, right? Yeah, yeah. Def- I mean, coming off a two-and-ten season, you know. When right was now, the last the Hearts, time they made a bowl game? 2010. They went, I think, ten and oh, two, okay. and won. I don't remember which bowl they won, and I don't remember who they beat. Uh, I apologize for that, but um, that's all right. they, the last time was in 2010. Um, yeah, very interesting. You know, yeah. you, if you, you're talking about. A, a small recruiting pool, right? Because you have to mm-hmm. recruit mm-hmm. students. You know, you're, you're, they're recruiting legitimate student athletes. And that's true right. of Air Force and Navy as well. But it's also true of places like Duke and Wake Forest and, you know, all the Ivy Leagues. Um, this, mm-hmm. So Harvard. there's a high demand for people who can pass their classes. You know, calculus is a mandatory class at West Point. You have to take five engineering courses. I don't know how many college football players are, are taking calculus, uh, but everybody right. in all three service academies does. <laughs> I, I would and say I think very, very, very few. <laughs> but there, there are schools where it's required. You know, Stanford, you know, Stanford fields a decent team. I mean, I would say that they're doing okay, and they've got some smart kids. So yeah. those, this is why Army's success this year is important, because what we saw last year was potential unrealized. Yeah. If they start to re- realize that potential and show future recruits that Army is a place where you can come and play ball for real, then, you know, it just opens up possibilities. Bradshaw, what other names, what other players for Army should should fans be looking at and thinking about? Well, while we're talking about the quarterback, Army is actually running a two-quarterback system. Uh, up until last night, I would have said that Chris Carter, who is a yearling this year, was actually the better quarterback with the ball in his hand. In other words, Bradshaw is probably a little faster. He's probably a little tougher, mm-hmm. uh, particularly running between the tackles. But Chris Carter, the other quarterback, is the better thrower. And at least late in the season last year, he was better running the offense and uh, you know pitching the ball and, like I said, playing that offensive port, uh, point guard position. Okay. Uh, last night the most interesting thing about the game to me uh, wasn't the defense, although the defense played very well. It was the fact that here's a guy in Bradshaw who we have not seen really in command of the offense and he took command and he really ran it very efficiently. You know, for a guy whose specialty has previously been to just bowl through the line, he, he Mm -hmm. probably carried six times last night. Uh, You know, he scored once, but uh, most of the yardage was made in the middle or, on the outsides with him, you know, managing the offense. So then a second player to watch is Chris Carter uh, to wonder, you know, how do they work him in? Because the best, probably the best offensive player on the team is wide receiver Edgar Poe. And, you know, if you're a triple option team and your best player is arguably a wide receiver, okay, you got to get him <laughs> the ball. And to get him yeah. the ball, I need my better throwing quarterback. So, right. you know, it's a legitimate two-quarterback system, and they both have different strengths. So I, I think it's interesting. Uh, that's something to definitely watch is to see how, yeah. how do they manage this two-quarterback system because, you know, it's not, it's not one of these things where 
these guys are competitive and they, and they, I mean, they are competitive, but it's not like they dislike each other. They bring different skill sets uh, that right. I think will match up differently for different teams. Uh, so, you know, well, how do we bring in Chris Carter? How do we work Edgar Poe? I think Poe had one catch last night. Um, you know, how do we work a guy like that who, who's really an honest to God downfield threat into the offense uh, on the defensive <laughs> side of the ball? Uh, oh, well, let me mention one more guy. Uh, slot back Jordan Asbury. He had a big night last night. Uh, fullback, I think his first name is Darnell Wolfuck. He had a big night last night. Um, a, a guy, I met his parents at the uh, summer scrimmage last year. Rick Kurz is a sophomore tackle. Um, he had a very big game last night. I know we don't talk about offensive linemen, but he's excellent. We talk about him here. We have a lot of love for the big guys. Yeah. Um, so that's, you know, if you just want to talk about reasons why they get pushed, it's because they've got young talent, and Rick Kurz is a, is a good guy who's got a lot of talent. Uh, on the defensive side yeah. of the ball, I mentioned uh, our, our captains, uh, Jeremy Temp and Andrew King. Oh, mm-hmm. Let's see. The outside linebackers played very well last night. Alex Ackerman, I think he's a firstie or senior, uh, and he had his best game that I think I've ever seen him have as a black knight. On the other side, on the outside, is Kenneth Brenson. He was very highly recruited last year. Actually declined Stanford to go to West Point. Um, he, he had an interception. Uh, I don't know if he got a sack, but he had a couple of tackles. And then the, the entire secondary, you know, last year the secondary was a work in progress. You know, this, year, um, it, this year they look good. You know, Xavier Moss is a safety. He's a converted wide receiver. For the first half of the season, he honestly he looked lost. And, and I don't blame him. You know, you, you, you're switching positions, trying to help your team. But, you know, especially against UConn and Wake Forest, he just – he needed another couple of months to be ready for the season. Uh, his partner back there is Ryan England. England was probably the most improved player on the team last season. Uh, they've got cornerback uh, Brandon Jackson, who is probably one of the better young defenders. So whoever it is on the cornerback side that, stops, uh, that starts opposite Jackson – uh, is going to have a lot of work. And, indeed, I think Marcus Hyatt started last night. He got thrown at quite a bit, and there were a few completions that they made on that side. So uh, that answer your question? Did Very I give good. enough people to watch? Yeah, no, that was great. Uh, you know, I, the schedule's interesting The with the big win, and I always enjoy watching Army. I'm going to make an effort these into – to watch them a little bit more. And I hope that you'll come back and tell everybody out there where they can find you on social media and where they can find your work, your writing about Army. Well, my uh, I'm on social media at Dan underscore T underscore head uh, on Twitter. And uh, my blog is danos-layer at blogspot.com. Um, I'm, I'm not famous. I'm just a guy who likes to write, and I write about Army because I write about my life, and that's part of my life. Well, I, it was such a pleasure to have you, and I, I hope that you'll come back. And I really enjoyed it. Oh, thank you. I enjoyed it, too. And and, and give a shout-out to your wife, because I love to, and, and I love that she's encouraged you to do this. <laughs> yeah. she's. Uh, I, I have a beautiful and very supportive wife uh, named Sally Head, and she is amazing. Awesome. Well, have a great day, and I hope that you'll come back soon. Awesome. I will. Thanks. All right.
All right, up next, Katie Flowers. We're going to choose your fantasy football fix. We'll talk about the big trade. Uh, the Sam Sam Bradford stays. You know he's making that money. Uh, we should all be doing so well. So stay tuned. You are listening to Bat Talk with Sharona. All right, welcome back. You're tuned in and listening to Bat Talk with Sharona. I'm your host. My name is Sharona. Now we're going to talk some fantasy football. I'm so excited to have Katie on the show. We did a live auction draft, going for two auction draft on Wednesday night. It was so much fun. Um, I, I, I coined, accidentally coined, um, uh, the phrase erotic smash mouth, which has been kind of a big thing. Katie, thank you so much for joining me. Well, thank you so much, Sharona, for having me on. This is exciting, and yeah, I, I don't think that it was uh, all that accidental. Uh, it was a wonderful <laughs> coined phrase, and I love it. <laughs> we had a lot, and it went over five hours. I didn't realize that until this morning. And I was—I don't know about you. Fortunately, you're on vacation. I was feeling a little bit rough, um, but but it was definitely a lot of fun. So. Um, I, Tell everybody just a little bit about who you are. You've been in fantasy football for a pretty good while. I want to find out how you got started in it. Well, I, I got started in 2012, so it hasn't really been a, a long time. I've always been a big football fan. I coached youth sports for 14 years, boys baseball, football, and basketball, and I refereed all. So I've got a strategic mind, and a friend of mine uh, who hosts a uh, reality TV show charity every year asked me if I wanted to join their fantasy football league, redraft league. And I had three days to prepare for the draft, but I was like, I know all the players, so how hard could it be? And that's when I joined. I I read a few things on the internet, got prepared as best as I could, had a very bad losing season, found out there wasn't very many trades in redraft and there wasn't any real way to overcome a bad draft. I didn't know who to pick up off the waiver wire, but I, I buckled down, and in my second year, I, I really did a lot of studying and mock drafts and ended up with more than 10 redraft teams just to get good quicker, and the rest is history. So you've uh, – wow, you've got a really strong sports background. Do you um, ha- Have you ever given any thought, you know, the NFL just hired their first female um, woman who is uh, in, in the officiating pool. Ever given any thought to that? Well, at this point in my life, no. I've got a very good career, and I was doing the youth sports mainly because I, I love children and I love sports, and it was a great uh, okay. combination. It was it was a good way to give back sure. to my community. I, I did coach at the middle school level, which was a paid position, and, and loved it. But once I moved into the south from the north, I, I travel too much for work. I can't really do anything like that. Well, that makes sense. And if you're happy doing what you're doing, um, that that's certainly um, a great thing. And um, so I can understand that. All right. So um, you're very, you know, it's it's interesting. You're, you've got a, a, a pretty diverse uh, background and I, I'm always so happy to you know to meet other women who enjoy sports and 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 other things. Do you have any particular preference when it comes to the types of leagues that you play in? I know you do a lot of different types. I do. I I 
I got into Dynasty in 2014, and once I found that avenue, I still play redraft, but Dynasty is now my my number one fantasy football passion. And what I like about it is the variety of different types of leagues that they have and different formats. And like I said, I'm very strategical, so I look for the deeper leagues and the strategy like the Debbie leagues where you can draft guys out of college and then when they make it into the NFL, they're automatically on your roster. And any any kind of format that's a little outside the box where you have to do your own work and you just can't go and get the rankings and, and uh, still be successful, I like to do the extra work behind the scenes. And so mm-hmm. the more complicated, like IDP, which is individual defensive players, and just right. super flex. Yeah, I like, I like the ones that have a little extra complication or a little different scoring setting. Now, Chris, who might not know, um, can you explain Devi leagues? What what that means? You know, some some people are just you know standard player football players. Sure. So you still draft the regular NFL team, and then you have a separate Devi draft, which is developmental, and you're drafting guys right out of college. So you can draft anywhere from incoming college freshmen all the way to guys that are seniors this year. And you can draft any position that you want. Most of those leagues have a taxi squad, so they don't take up active roster spots. And they sit on your taxi squad until they make it to the NFL. If they don't, you can drop them at any time. You can trade the the players at any time. And if they do make it into the NFL and you're so lucky to get an Ezekiel Elliott, that's a first-round rookie pick, but you got him 60th overall in 2014 draft, then you kind of hit the lottery. So, it's, yeah. it's fun because the scouting really comes into play where you, you get to watch the Saturday game and kind of project who you think is going to be a good NFL player. See, I think I might enjoy that. How many Debbie players are you allowed typically? Well, it's a, a wide variety. If you want to dip your toe in real lightly, they have where you have one Debbie player and oh, okay. you can go as deep as I've got uh, one where we can have 30 on our taxi squad but you draft 20, and then each year you get six more. So you can trade the picks just like you can any commodity, and you can trade the players just like any other commodity as well. Very interesting. Um, Yeah, I I like the deeper ones because then you can really start getting into uh, guys like Noah Brown from Ohio State that a lot of people aren't even talking about. But he will be buzzed this year. He broke his ankle last year right before the first practice. You might not have heard of Michael Thomas from Ohio State if Noah Brown hadn't got injured last year, but mm-hmm. be on the lookout for him, for example. He's he's going to be one of those up-and-comers out of the blue. Yeah. Uh, the the Superflex leagues, now explain that for, for people who might not be familiar. Okay, so in most leagues you start one quarterback. A Superflex, you can start a quarterback in that flex position and since the quarterback scores the most points on a weekly basis they've got the best floor and the best ceiling for points you're going to want to have at least two quarterbacks that are starters in the NFL and a lot of times you're going to have three or four in a super flex it's very easy to see a guy like Chase Daniel on somebody's roster and then when you get news like we did today all of a sudden he's gold yeah yeah, we're we're about to turn our attention to. I want to ask you some some questions about this this trade. By the way, I'm talking with Katie Flowers at FF Skyler. Um, we'll be tweeting out her Twitter handle here um, when we get through with this. 
you know, it's it's interesting. Philadelphia and Minnesota, their offenses were were already uh, kind of interesting to me anyway because of um, you know their situations. People were avoiding. I really like um, Teddy Bridgewater, but uh, people were avoiding him in in fantasy. Didn't have the best fantasy season at all last year. It was really you know all about their run game. Um, but I had, I had, and I, I don't own any Teddy shares, but boy, I had some Stefan Diggs shares. And when Teddy went down, I was gulping really hard. And then on the flip side, you know, Philadelphia, they're just a mess. And um, really the, I, I think I maybe have one Jordan Matthews share. Um, I've got Darren Sproles in, in some leagues. What do you think – what do you make of this trade, first of all, and, and which team do you think is going to benefit the best from it? I think they both benefit and probably pretty equally. Carson Wentz okay. is the quarterback for Philadelphia for the, for the now and the future. Chase Daniel is going to be a stopgap, and he's a viable enough stopgap. He's as good as Sam Bradford in the minds of Philadelphia. Why not recoup a first-round pick and get a future fourth-round pick and get rid of the crybaby whiners, the glass jaw, the glass guy, Sam Bradford. I'm not a big Sam Bradford fan. He makes so much money for doing nothing. And uh, I'm kind of glad for the Vikings in that if he does succeed, they're not going to lose their win-now window. And that's what I think this trade is all about. They don't Mm -hmm. believe that Sean Hill is going to get them through the entire season and through the Mm -hmm. playoffs. They believe that they're a contender, a championship-type team, and I believe that they are. And so if Sam Bradford can go in there and get and learn the offense and be just average, the rest of the team, Adrian Peterson, they don't want to lose his window. He's getting of the age where it could be any time now. They've got a great defense. They've, I love their coach, and they've got a lot of young wide receivers and, and uh, depth surrounding them. So for them – it's not saying we don't think Teddy's coming back so much as it's saying we want to win now. We've got that type of team. So let's do what we can to ensure that. Oh, wait, I just saw something come, come across the timeline. Let me see. It sounds like Carson Wentz may move up. Might not be about Chase Daniels. Yeah. It's, you know, um, there are people speculating that maybe Teddy's injury is more serious than what they're letting on. Uh, if if you think I, I'm I'm sorry, but if you think that Sam Bradford is 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 your it, to me, he's only um, a stop a, you know stopgap kind of guy, a, a guy that's gonna you know maybe get you through the year. And they've got a strong team. You know, there um, there's talent around him. This might be one of the most talented teams he's ever played on. What do you think about that? No, I I agree with that assessment completely. And I think that Sam Bradford just lives in in a world where he's just totally blessed and doesn't get it. I I just hope <laughs> that. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm serious. To, to make millions of dollars, how many touchdowns has he thrown? I mean, he came out out of Oklahoma and looked really good and everybody had such yeah. high hopes for him and he's done nothing but disappoint. I don't think that fantasy wise in a regular start one quarterback league, you're going to want Sam Bradford on your team. But as far yeah. as the real live Minnesota Vikings, as long yeah. as he's average, 
they've got enough around him that they can win despite him and not because of him. Yeah, I completely agree. If you're the nobody with any fantasy football sense is rushing out to pick up Sam Bradford. Um, but it does I mean, make if you're me... in a super flex or beyond, then yes, absolutely, yeah. you're going to want Sam Bradford, but yeah. not in a start one quarterback league. Yeah, uh, it's going to be interesting um, to see what if he has any. Uh, I'll have to look and see if anybody. I'm sure somebody. You know, the people did draft him in some of my leagues. Yeah, it it makes me feel a lot better about uh, Stefan Diggs. And um, do you think that it changes Adrian Peterson's projections at all? Well, just like with Sean Hill at the helm, and I think that Sean Hill will get at least the first few weeks um, before Bradford is acclimated and can take over if he even does acclimate. And I I still <laughs> question that, uh, but. I think that they were going to run a lot anyway. And it, your statement earlier about Teddy Bridgewater, I think a lot of it is perception. I like Teddy Bridgewater. Guys develop at different paces. And they if you really look at do. Russell Wilson, yeah, if you mm-hmm. look at Russell Wilson, his first few years in the league, he was handing the ball off a lot to Marshawn Lynch, and now he's still more stronger yeah, I think that's and more confident in the offense. Yeah. Right. And so I, I think that Teddy Bridgewater was ascending and – that he hasn't hit his fantasy peak or his NFL peak yet. And I'm really just awful. I feel awful for him for this injury and it's going to be a long ways back. He may not be ready for the beginning of next year, which is again, the insurance that they got with a veteran guy like Sam Bradford. And again, I just hope that he doesn't disappoint like he has every place else that he's been. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, in all fairness too, and, and, and these are things that you can't predict and you can't, um, you know, insure against, and that's injury. And, you know, he's right. had a lot of injuries. And in a way, now I think Carson Palmer's a better quarterback, but in a way it does, his situation does sort of remind me of Carson Palmer, who, you know, was, was looking really good before he had his first injury uh, with the Bengals in Cincinnati. And, you know, then he had a few struggle years and now, you know, he's got um, – he's he's settled in. He's got talent around him in Arizona. And, he, you know, it, it's hard for a, a quarterback to – especially one who's trying to come back from injury and what have you – to carry a team. Especially oh, a bad team. I agree. Yeah, I I agree. And there's so many different factors involved. Everybody mm-hmm. learns at different rates, and sometimes if if you get bashed like early and often and beaten to a pulp, it's hard mentally to come back from that. And and you know these guys they all work hard to be an NFL uh, player to begin with. It's it's such a grind just to get there and to yeah. maintain it and to stay there. So you know yeah I call him a whiner and a, and a crybaby and things like that, but he is still very talented. Yeah. But the fact of the matter is. Uh, so far, he hasn't capitalized on his opportunities, and I hope him the best. I hope that for yeah. Minnesota's sake, they got a bargain. Yeah, on the other side, Philadelphia. I just, you know, um, and I like Doug Peterson. I, I you know, I, I like that he got a lot of grief for um, for the offense that he ran in in, in Kansas City, but you know. Um, I mean, they've been pretty successful and and have made the playoffs under him and had made the playoffs under him. 
the quarterback situation, though, maybe it does. Maybe Carson Wentz is going to be ready sooner rather than later. Chase Daniel, you know, uh, Mizzou grad, a guy who's somewhat legendary, I suppose, in, in fantasy football Twitter. I, I, to me, I have more concerns about their situation than than I do the Vikings. But I would have said that regardless. Yeah, uh, Philadelphia is one of those teams that's still trying to find their identity. They're still in flux big time. They've got some nice pieces. I think that this move will just solidify Ryan Matthews. And I think that Jordan Matthews, he's one of my guys that I like so much in Dynasty because he is such a hard worker. He's a, he's mm-hmm. a nose-to-the-grindstone type of guy that's going to yeah, go out like there and run jugs machines 100 times you know, just to continue mm-hmm. to practice his route running and his catching and, and everything. And he's he's going to raise up his teammates and, and step up and be a leader. I think this is good for Zach Ertz and uh, Selleck as far as uh, their tight ends. They don't have much. They're still trying to find who's going to be that wide receiver, too, in, in that offense. There's so many puzzle pieces that for them to recoup a first-round pick and a fourth-round pick, this is – and Bradford wasn't the right fit for them anyway. So why Yeah, not he really wasn't. And, and get, yeah. He wasn't the answer. So he was, he, why but not he never so was. Take he your really was Even when Chip Kelly was their coach, he wasn't. It was just that was such an odd fit from day one. Yeah, I agree. You mentioned Jordan, uh, Jordan. You mentioned Ryan Matthews. I'm going to get my Matthews mixed up. <laughs> I, I agree with you, by the way. I love Jordan Matthews. I got to see him a lot when he played at Vandy. There were um, reports out of Philly's camp, Philly camp, that um, uh, Ryan Matthews had um, sort of been outpaced, I uh, I suppose. Basically, that Darren Sproles was the best running back in in camp, and and that um, you know he might be the de facto starter, even though when you look at depth depth charts you you do see Ryan Matthews there what do you make of that situation well again I love Darren Sproles and even though he's one of the older guys Ryan Matthews is more of the between the tackles type runner so I think it's going to be continue to be running back by committee with a hefty mm-hmm. dose of both of those guys and Darren Sproles with his ability to catch and he's still got mm-hmm. the speed and he, he's still got that wiggle uh, I like him in as a uh, later round. If you're going like zero running back, he's one of the guys to target. Yeah. Kind of like uh, Danny Woodhead, although I guess Danny oh, Woodhead exactly. maybe is a little bit higher up. I don't know. Yeah. And speed. And it's interesting if you play in a league where you get, you know, points for, you know, special team points, uh, yardage and, and what have you. He's still, it looks like he's still going to be, in the mix at, at their return position. Yeah, absolutely. And he's just one of those guys that just doesn't age. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's um, – it, it, I like him so much. And, you know, the concern I – mean, of course the concern is, is double-edged because of Ryan Matthews' injury history. And, you know, it, he's been a little bit unfairly tagged, and I've certainly – you know, contributed to that, but, you know, with, with that injury prone label, but it's, you know, you have to have concerns about whether he's going to be on the field and, but, but for Sproles, you know, he's not an every down back. 
and and so it, yeah, yeah, and so it is a situation where you have to monitor carries and and looks and touches and you know try to figure out who the you know who who the guy is and and what value to put on it. The the Titans traded um, with Philadelphia for Daniel Kelly, gave them Doriel Beckham Green, who is a guy that. Um, you know, fantasy football Twitter loves him. Draft Twitter loved him, but he's never been able to really put it together in the league. You know, he's, he had the off the field concerns that kept him out of football for a year. Uh, it's you know, we're we're seeing the DGB hype. Uh, Dorio, did I say it wrong again? Dorio Green back. Yeah, I did. always get. Yeah, I always a- do that, and I, you know, I'm trying <laughs> to correct myself. I'm trying to relearn how DGB. Trying to relearn it, um, but you know, I, I'm avoiding him because I just don't have any faith or confidence. Do you think that? Um, first of all, what are your thoughts on on DGB, and is he? Are you looking at him at all in your fantasy drafts? In redraft, no, because there's a lot of other guys at his ADP that I think have more upside, and I would watch him on the waiver wire. I don't think he's being picked up in redraft pretty much anywhere, and you can still get him halfway through the season if he's starting to look good. But in Dynasty, I'm going to hold him. You can't coach 6'5", 240 with skills like he's got. He's got a head that he's got to work on. He's got things between the ears that he's got to get right, and Mm -hmm. that could take years. You know, Mm -hmm. adjusting to the NFL, especially after skipping a year of college and with the issues that he's had, I'm not going to give up on his overt talent in Dynasty. I'm I'm going to be holding on to him. Yeah. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, Yeah, it's an interesting trade, an interesting situation for – for Minnesota, I'm certainly hoping that Teddy Bridgewater can come back. What other guys are you targeting? And, and then we'll talk about guys that you're avoiding. Okay. Well, first of all, in redraft leagues, um, I'm targeting DeMarco Murray uh, somewhere around round five, round six, depending. Okay. I think that he is going to have an outstanding season in the Mike Malarkey offense and that erotic <laughs> smash mouth that you coined so well the other day. Uh, I think they're going to feed him I early enough. He's he's a great pass catching running back as well as mm-hmm. between the tackles and Malarkey mm-hmm. likes to have his bell cow and I think he's found him. So I am targeting and I really really like Demarco Murray this year. Uh, Devin Funches he's got a late yeah. round ADP of 118. I think that he's he could be this year's Allen Robinson in that his ADP is far exceeded by what he ends up scoring for you. I would pick him up in redraft leagues as well as hang on to him in. Yeah, I've, I own some Devin. I, I own quite a few Devin Funches shares as well, and he's. You're right. The ADP is. You know, reports out of camp on him or that. You know, he might surpass Kelvin Benjamin. I really doubt that, but um, definitely, you know, we saw in the preseason that he's going to get serious work, and um, and, and he's. In, in my opinion, looking a lot better than he did last year. You know, rookie, rookies are going to struggle, and I'll buy into rookie running backs before I will buy into rook, typically rookie. We'll, we'll talk about Tajay Sharp, Tabay Sharp here in a minute. <laughs> Your baby. You know, and my baby, who might be. Because yeah. you mentioned Marco Murray, and I want to talk about Derrick Henry, and you can't talk about Derrick Henry without talking about my bae, Tajay Sharp. So, um, If you really want me to go there, I will. But uh, <laughs> I, I like Funches. 
I like Funches better than Kelvin Benjamin, partly because of his ADP, but also Benjamin's still working yeah. out the kinks from that ACL. He's, he's on a snap count. His conditioning isn't up to speed. He could easily tweak or re-injure and then be out. Uh, but even he if could. he's in, I think he's going to be the guy that gets double teams, leaving Funches to roam around wide open. Got one of the best young quarterbacks in the league. I just love the uh, Devin Funches shares as many as I can get. Yeah, I think I only have like maybe one, one or two. I don't, I don't own very much Calvin Benjamin. I just think he's such a problem. You know, you you, you mentioned DGB's size and measurables. And, and you can't coach what what Kelvin Benjamin is either. And uh, I, you know, I watch, don't disagree with that. Yeah, I watched the film of the Titans game, and he's such a problem. Um, mm-hmm. You know, he'll he'll get as many red zone targets as they can get him, and um, you know, it, it, it's very exciting. Um, we had a lot of fun in this live draft. Everybody was making fun of me because I paid so much for for Tajay Sharp and Derrick Henry. I do not care. No regrets. Zero regrets. Um, yeah, yeah, I do tend to stay away from rookies because it's uh, and I and I will go with um, running backs usually a lot quicker than than I will wide receivers. But with but with Tajay Sharp, and I think he's an exception simply because. He's such a great route runner, and um, you don't have any issues with that. And he's been the most dependable wide receiver for the Titans, you know, basically since he joined the team. And, um, you know, the hype is real. Now, you know, we can talk about values and, and and what have you. And then just real briefly, and we'll let Katie weigh in on this. By the way, I was talking with Katie Flowers at FF Schuyler out there on Twitter. Um, Derrick Henry is is another interesting guy. You mentioned DeMarco Murray, and he's looked really good in the Titans' offense. Erotic Smash Mouth, it's real. I just filed a, an article for Inside the Pylon, um, Exotic Smash Mouth. It's a love story. It's a story about what the Titans could be this season. Uh, they're They're going to get Derrick Henry – in in there, he's going to get as much work as they can give him. It's a two-headed monster. Um, the, you know, the Titans' offense might actually be good this year. They're looking better. I, I don't know that I think that it's going to be a uh, running back by committee. It may be like a 70-30 type split. I think a lot of people are expecting Henry to get a lot more equal carries. I don't see that happening, but it could happen, and I could be wrong. Um, but it's the same thing with Tajay Sharp. What I did like about him in preseason is he is such a good route runner and he was reliable for Marcus Mariota to target and he would know that he was going to be there. And he has shown good hands and shown everything that you would want to see in a rookie Mm -hmm. in preseason. But it's also preseason and under temper expectations. Mm -hmm. I've seen him, you know, originally in Dynasty, he was going mid to late third round, and I've seen him now going in the first round of some of the later Dynasty rookie drafts, and that to me is a bit nuts. I think mid-second, okay, but first round, not so much. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's all about value, and and right. if you're if you've played fantasy football for any length of time, you're you know that, and you understand that it's you know it is a, a numbers game. 
And I agree, you know, you can take too much out of the preseason, but I do think that it's informative. You know, it's not, it's not something to be, yeah, it's not something to be ignored. It's it's definitely informative. We'll see how, how that goes. Uh, I can't wait for my article to drop. It's really interesting looking at, at the Titans numbers. So I don't want to make this a Titans uh, podcast. I want to ask you, what other deep sleepers are out there? What other um, guys do you watch? And then we're going to talk a little bit about DFS, and then I'll let you go back to enjoying your vacation. Well, that sounds good because, yes, I've got a picnic at my cousin's I've got to run, run off to very soon here. But late, I like Jamison Crowder, wide receiver, Washington. His ADP is 283. He's not being drafted in redraft leagues right now, but he's somebody that you want to keep on your uh, waiver wire speed dial you can go pick him up he would be a valuable asset Kamar Aiken he's not super deep but he's at 141 and in Baltimore Joe Flacco likes to throw the ball a lot and Mm -hmm. uh, so does Tressman that offense is going to move and so I think that he is going to get targeted heavily as far as tight end sleepers I like Lance Kendrick's uh, LA Rams free uh, or very late if you want to wait on tight end some running backs that could pop this year that are cheap or that you want to liking. He's got enough. He's got enough Go PR ahead. juice to to work on his own without an Adrian Peterson injury. But if AP gets injured, I think Jared McKinnon just skyrockets in value. I love him. Jordan Howard. Yeah, he's great, isn't he? Jordan yeah. Howard in Chicago, uh, I don't think that Jeremy Langford has the greatest lock on that position. He will be the starter on day one. Yeah. But Jordan Howard has shown some juice in preseason. Yeah. And at 80-210, yeah, he, you know, he's somebody that you could easily stash. I think Ken Dixon, even though he's injured right now, he's not somebody that you necessarily want to pick up because most times in redraft you only have six or seven bench spots. But keep your eye on Ken Dixon in Baltimore as a running back. He is somebody that can catch out of the backfield, and I think that he can easily overcome whether it's Forsett or Terrence West or whoever. By midseason, you may want to be looking up Ken Dixon. Yeah, the Jeremy Langford um, situation in Chicago is is interesting. I own so many Jeremy Langford shares. I'm getting a little nervous about it, but, you know, the the thing, and, and I meant to ask you this before, and we'll, we'll skip the DFS thing for today. I know you need to go. Do you have any strat- strategies that you employ uh, when you use the waiver wire, and, and what what do you recommend for fantasy football players out there in terms of waiver wires? Well, you need to be proactive. Um, my teams tend to be uh, very strong. And so I have very low waiver priorities. So I don't want to wait because then he's going to be hot for everybody else and somebody else has a higher waiver priority. I have to think like a chess four or five moves ahead. And so if it's getting towards the playoffs and my, my running backs have gone through their bye week and I can drop the backup or of somebody and pick up a guy that I think is, is climbing his own depth chart and about to hit like last year, David Johnson. I didn't draft yeah. him in redraft, but I had my eye on him all year long. And about two weeks before he went off, I picked him up off waivers and point things had solidified and I knew who was who and I, I could afford the, the bench spot. 
And those are the kinds of things you have to think ahead and plan to yeah, I agree. You have to be proactive and you have to be, um, you, know, you have to keep an eye on the waiver wire and always staying ahead of the curve is, is a great way to, to, you know, to work it. And, 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 you know, if you're flexible, if you, if your roster is flexible enough, you can, I'll stream waivers. I'll pick some guys up to stash them. And if it doesn't turn out, you, you have to be flexible enough to be able to walk away. Too. Oh, absolutely. And, um, and there there are times also for the waiver wire where I'll pick up somebody pre- proactively because I think they're going to pop, not necessarily because I want to use them, but keep them away from yeah, exactly. that I'm going to be playing. So yeah. you've got to use the waiver wire to your advantage as much as you can. And don't, like you said, don't be afraid to make moves. Um, I stream my defense. I stream my kicker. I don't worry about, you know, at the beginning of the year, they're mm-hmm. the last priority of the guys I draft. Yeah, I'll stream defenses and kickers, too, as long as I'm not in, like, a 16-league, deep league where, you know, you're, 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 you run into trouble with, with those situations. But, um, but, yeah, typically I'll do that as well. Katie, it was so much fun. Thank you so much for well, joining me. I know I, that you, go ahead. No, I was just going to say I had a great time. I really appreciate you having me on. Well, I hope and, you'll come uh, back. Oh, of course. Anytime. Tell me when. (laughs) Okay. Well, have a great rest of your vacation. Tell everybody out there where they can find you on social media. Sure. So on Twitter, it's at FF underscore Skyler 399. And my written and other premium podcasts can be found at UTHDynasty.com. Very good. Thanks again for joining me. Have a great day. Great. Thanks. All right. All right, that was Katie Flowers. Such a great pleasure to to talk to her and get her thoughts on fantasy football. We had a great live draft on Wednesday night, the Going for Two uh, live auction draft. We've got another draft go- coming up on Sunday night. I'm not sure whether we're going to televise that or not. We'll see uh, if you want to get information about that. You can check out my Twitter feed, Sports by Sharon. If you want to be a podcast guest, Come on and talk some fantasy football or whatever. We talk about a lot of things here. You can hit me up as well at Sports by Sharona on Twitter. Check out my website, Back Talk with Sharona. The podcast is um, usually twice a week. We're thinking about going to a Wednesday-Saturday format. I'm kind of liking doing this on Saturday morning. It's a little easier for people who don't have – you know, readily accessible during the daytime throughout the week, given an opportunity to come on on Saturday morning. And with this, the issues that we've been having with Skype, maybe that's recording via Skype, maybe that's something that we'll do for the interim. Uh, happy Saturday. We're going to go ahead and, and cut things short a little bit. No, um, no discussion about any non-sports related uh, topics. Um, definitely want to do a podcast soon where we go into a little bit more depth about some of the issues we saw in, in the Tennessee game. Very concerning um, first first outing for the Tennessee Volunteers. We'll see if they drop in the polls. The latest preseason poll had them at number nine. There were people um, after that game who who seemed to, to be having an issue with it. You know, preseason polls are, are useless. You know, they're kind of based on hype and, and the season before. So uh, it's a great weekend for college football. I hope that you enjoy. We'll be back next week with another episode of Bat Talk with Sharona, so stay tuned in. <laughs>